Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they say, Some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I'm going to pray right now. Lord, as I come before you, I thank you, Lord, that you are the high priest of our profession. And you are our great apostle. And I link arms with you right now, Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you are victor. Lord, that we don't have to win the victory. We enforce the victory. And you have seated us with you in heavenly places. And therefore, Lord, by your apostolic authority and by your endowed grace, Lord God, we come against every principality, power, dominion, spiritual wickedness in our places, and the rulers of the darkness over over Philadelphia and I decree in Jesus name that every work of darkness be subverted Lord trouble our troubler in Jesus name and I thank you O Lord God that as we come against them Lord I arrest these principalities Lord God we release Lord by apostolic authority we release angels angels of the Lord make warfare against that which wars against the block and we decree that this kingdom advances we decree that that, that drug addicts that that dependents Lord God they're coming and they're before the cross of Jesus Christ. I thank you, O oh Lord God, that everything that the enemy meant for our evil, Lord, you turn it around for our good, that a thousand will fall at our side, ten thousand at our right hand, but the battle will not come near unto us. We thank you, O oh Lord God, that you made us the head and never the tail, above only and never beneath. I thank you, O oh Lord God, that we dance upon the grave of our enemy. We thank you, O oh Lord God, for the victory that is the block, for you have sent a mission in this city and you said that the light will shine in the darkness and I thank you Lord that wherever the light is it dispels the darkness I thank you, O Lord, for the victory over the ruler of the darkness, that which would blind the minds of men from perceiving and understanding the gospel. And in Jesus' name, I revoke and I remove it from the minds of men over every person in this room, over everybody in every location, and those who would watch this thing in some sort of media format. I bind the enemy that binds you, and I decree freedom over your mind, that you will come to the understanding of who Jesus really is. And I thank you, O oh Lord God, for the power of your name, for every devil in hell, every satanic angel, every ruling spirit has to bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, for there is no other name given amongst heaven by which we must be saved. So I praise you, Lord God, for the victory that we enforce against your enemy and ours, Lord God. And thank you, God, you got our back. In numele lui Jesus Christos, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. 
25 miles or 40 kilometers away from the closest Jewish town or civilization. Located at the southwestern base of Mount Hermon was a city called Caesarea Philippi. It was the red light district of its day. Those living there worshipped the Greek fertility gods, namely the god Pan. And it is where we get the word pandemic or pandemia. The god Pan was the, was the Greek god of shepherds and fertility. And you may have seen him in your schooling from the waist down. He was a goat. And from the body up with horns, he was a man. And he was a very, very dangerous god because of the way that he was worshipped. And there in Caesarea Philippi, there was Mount Hermon. And Mount Hermon had an underground spring of water that would come out outside of the mountain. At the base of the mountain, there would be two waterfalls that would come. And it would be one of the most fertile regions in the promised land. But by this time, it had been Hellenized. And when I say Hellenized, I mean the Greeks overtook it. And whenever the Greeks go into any civilization, they Hellenize that situation or that or that that location and what they do is they incorporate the worship of their gods and they overtake and so here we have the worship of the god pan that is the primary god that they worshiped here and in this underground spring there was a cave that went into this underground or under subterranean spring in a cave and this was the source of life and it was believed by the ancient greeks that it was the portal or the gateway to to the underworld and the the gods the greek fertility gods would go into the underworld and they would hibernate until the springtime and they would be evoked or they would be summoned forth by child sacrifice and by lewd sexual acts with animals because the god pan was half man and half and half beast and so they would do things that i cannot even mention behind a pulpit but they would take a young girl and you must understand the greeks were extremely vile when it came to things of morality and sexuality. And so to get a, a, a woman who was a virgin, they usually had to go to either a four or five-year-old. Thereafter, it would be difficult to find one. I don't have time to work that, but they would take a little girl and they would go into the cave. And in this cave, you would see the river. And there was a rock that was protruding out of the water, almost like if it was a small island. And they would take that girl and they would slice her throat and they would put her body upon the rock and she would die. And they would begin to pray to the fertility gods, namely the god Pan, the god of fertility. And they would ask him to come forth from the underworld and to bless them so that they would bear children as well as blessing their crops so that they would have a good harvest that year. And if the god Pan, according to tradition, if the god Pan answered and would respond, then the water around the rock would begin to boil or bubble and the water would rise and it would wash the body off of the rock and nobody would ever see the body again. If the god Pan did not accept the sacrifice, then the child's body would rot upon the rock and they would consider themselves non-blessed or not, not being able to be blessed for that year. And you must understand Caesarea Philippi being the red light district of its day was one of the places that was the most vile and wicked places. It's funny because Jesus was not preaching here. Jesus 
Jesus was 25 miles away from the closest Jewish civilization. And so he went here to teach his disciples a lesson. And what he was telling them is this. He was telling them that this region, this particular location affects the culture of our world. This is the number one cultural effector that brings iniquity into our region, into our city, into our entire location. I'm, I'm, when I'm saying this, in the ancient world, everybody knew about the god Pan. He was a Hellenized society, even among the Roman Empire. They also worshipped the god Pan. And so you must understand that in this place and in this location, this affected the worship of the entire world. And so when Jesus went there, he went there with the intent of teaching his disciples, you must change culture. You're not here to be a subculture. When I, we came into the kingdom of God, we didn't come into this thing to be a subculture. We came into this thing to be the counterculture. We are the solution. We are what the element and the catalyst of change in the world that will literally change the world. And so when he went there, he was teaching them and he stood at the base of the mountain and he looked up and he said, and this power I give unto you and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The entrance to this cave was known as the gates of hell. The gates of hell is not the gates that we were always taught growing up. But when I grew up, it was like, okay, the gates of hell. All right. What does that mean? I guess we're just going to storm the gates of hell in the spirit. We are storming the gates of hell in the spirit, but it is not the gates of hell of the underworld. It is the one thing or the portal of darkness that brings iniquity into a city. It brings iniquity into Philadelphia. And God has apostolic people and apostolic ministries that are set in the earth. Then their entire sole purpose is is to disarm the darkness and take territory. Because you must understand, Satan wants you, but more than wanting you, he wants your territory. Because if he can control your territory, then he can influence an entire group of people. How do you think that whenever you send your kids to school and they try to indoctrinate them and teach them immorality and wickedness, that is what Satan wants. And God has put you as the catalyst or the element of change into the earth to stop that darkness you live in one of the darkest cities in the in the northeast you live in one of the darkest cities in this particular region i mean here and going up into new england and i am sure to say that this is not new england i was corrected last time i was here and so I just need to throw that out there for you. The spirit of New England and even down into this region is a very dark and evil spirit. And the strongholds that are here are ancient strongholds. But God has established this work apostolically to defeat that darkness. Wherever you all listen to me, listen closely. You are not supposed to sit on your blessed assurance and just watch stuff. You are supposed to get involved. What do you need to do to get here? What do you need to do to be involved in the campus where you are? But don't just sit there. Get up and do something for the kingdom of God. Well, I don't know what to do. Come see a pastor and we'll tell you what you can do for the kingdom of God. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That means that the vile worship, the, that which changes society for darkness, you have been sent here to bind and to loose. And I'm going to go into this. I'm going to talk to you about this because you must understand the power of the enemy. And I'm going to reference 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. And it says, and even if our gospel is veiled to veil, to cover, 
It is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I call this spirit the ruler of the darkness. And it's referenced in not only in Ephesians, but several different places in the New Testament. And there is a spirit that is a ruling spirit. It's not a demon. It is a ruling satanic angel in the atmosphere. And its sole purpose within its line of, of satanic authority is to keep the unbeliever from understanding the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's its sole purpose, that they would never come to the understanding of who Jesus is. That's all it does. Have you ever gone and tried to tell somebody about Jesus and all of a sudden it looked like their eyes glazed over and they didn't understand or immediately they were defensive or immediately they had something coming back. It is because Satan has blinded them from understanding and that's why the Lord says before you ever preach, before you ever share your faith, before you ever do anything, you better know how to pray. You better know how to do the work on your knees before you ever open your mouth. As a matter of fact, not only you, but that man of God, every week when he gets up here and he does warfare and he exposes darkness he needs people praying for him oh y'all didn't hear me he needs people interceding for him standing in the gap there is no way to carry the weight of what they carry that they can pray for themselves enough to birth this thing baby we need you in this fight god needs you in this fight Satan has the ability to keep it. You see, when you, you speak the gospel, you share your faith with an unbeliever, they don't hear what you hear because it doesn't go to the conscious mind. It goes to the subconscious mind. This is scientifically proven. So that whenever you tell somebody about Jesus, it doesn't just go here. It goes to the subconscious mind. When it happens in a split second where they already have an opinion of something that a principality has taught them since they were growing up and what life has created for them, they already have an opinion about what you're saying. So if you go tell some people about Jesus and you didn't do the work before, they are not going to come to Christ. And God wants to advance this body. God has a plan for the block. God wants to put you in the forefront. God wants you to break chains. God wants to heal, use you to heal. God wants to use you to raise the dead. God wants you to use you to bring masses into the kingdom of God. But unless you know how to pray, you ain't going to see nothing. Now, if there are people who come to Christ, which I know and believe there will be some today, I praise God for it. But it isn't because they just wandered into a building and thought, you know what? I think I'll get saved today. No, that's not what happens. It is because somebody prayed them into the kingdom of God. Ain't nobody coming into the kingdom unless somebody prays them into the kingdom of God. It don't happen like that, sugar baby. God will put you on somebody's heart and that somebody is going to say, God, I come before you in Jesus' name and I bind the spirits that are trying to attack Martin's mind and I decree in the name of Jesus, I come against every bit of darkness. I remove it over his understanding. I come against spirits of addiction and pornography. I decree the spirit of homosexuality. I come against every perversive spirit that's tried to destroy his mind. I decree that he belongs to God he don't belong to the enemy Satan get your hand off of him now you got to know how to pray people into the kingdom of God binding and loosing binding and loosing Ephesians chapter 1 
verse 19 through 23, because you got to understand who Jesus is so that you can understand who you are. Because if you don't understand your God, you'll never, you'll never know who you can be in your God. So let's, little, let's lay a little foundation here. I ain't got time to work it all day, but I'm going to work it a little bit. I'm going to put a little bit of wiggle in it. I want you to follow me. Ephesians chapter 1, 19 through 23. And it says, what is the measure, immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come like uh, somebody say to come also in the age to come that means god said not only are we going to do it in our time but those who come after us they're going to work it like we worked it and they're going to do more than we did because jesus said greater works than these shall you do because i go to my father that means he bestowed his ministry upon his church and the church is supposed to do what jesus did and he said not only in this age but the one is to come and he had put all things follow me on this he had put all things under his his feet and it gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all now I gotta go I gotta go to Ephesians 2 and verse 6 and I'm just going to reference this. I'm going to come back to it. And it says in Ephesians 2 and 6, it talks about Jesus being seated at the right hand of the Father or at his power and authority. And then it says, Ephesians 2 and 6, it says, and, Jesus, and God has raised us up, us, you, me, and all those who have come into the kingdom and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now I want to talk to you. Jesus said, he said, he said, he said, who do people say that I am? And he said, well, some say you're this man. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Elijah. You're one of the prophets. Some say you're this, some say you're that. But he said, who do you say that I am? Because the funny thing about it was, is they've been traveling with him for a while and he wanted to know had the father revealed to them who he was. Because you don't, you can never know who God is. No matter how much you preach, you will never know who God is unless the father reveals Jesus because everybody has got an opinion because that principality has made sure that everybody's got an opinion. He is the rule of the power of the air or the radio waves and the television waves. Ask anybody across the world what their opinion is about God. I promise you if they're an unbeliever, it has been directly influenced by Hollywood or by music. And I promise you that enemy, that principality has infiltrated their mind from the age that they were young and they have a preconceived notion of who God is and unless you pray and unless you intercede they'll never know who God is because only the father can reveal it but only you can usher the father into their life only you can usher in the power of revelation into their life and you have got to walk in it because Paul said I wish that you would walk in the wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him he didn't say of the kingdom he said of Jesus because if you get a revelation of Jesus baby you're going to get a revelation of everything that you need if you just realize who he is and what he can do and what he can do through you you will tear down strongholds of darkness and you ain't going to be afraid of their faces because there's so many people afraid well what if they reject me who cares if they reject you you have already been accepted by the father you have been accepted don't you realize who you are 
and where you have been accepted. For there is a place in the Holy of Holies, in the throne room of heaven, that only you can go to. Nobody can go to there. Nobody can go there but you. The price has been played. The blood has been spilled. There is a place in the throne room that's got my name on it. But you say, oh, well, I believe you. Your name's on it, Brother Barr. Look at you. Look how God uses you. You know, my heroes aren't the foreign missionaries. My heroes are the ones who will go across the street and preach Jesus. My heroes are the one who will go down to whatever is that avenue that's here in Philadelphia that's full of drug addicts and people strung out and bowed over. And they go down there in the power and the authority of God and they will say, the Lord has sent me to you and I'm going to declare Jesus to you. I command you unclean spirit, come out of him. Smile at me now, everywhere you are, and show me where your teeth used to be. He said, there's only one who answered. Of all the disciples, only one answered. And that was Simon, the son of Jonas. And he said, you are the Christ the son of the living God. He said, man didn't reveal it to you. No matter how much I preach, only God can reveal who Jesus is. And he said, man didn't reveal it to you, but my father in heaven. And then he began to talk to him and he said, he said, then you are Peter. He changed his name. He gave, then gave him a, what we call a surname. And he said, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I'll build my church. Can I just break this down for you? I ain't got time to work it, but I'm going to tell you how this went in the Greek. He looked at Peter, or looked at Simon, and he said, you are Peter. Now follow my hand gestures. You are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and the cultural gates of hell, and all of the cultural of the world will never be able to stand against the authority that I give to you. And when he said to you, he no longer said you, he said you. It was a plural form. And so he said this, there's two words in the Greek vernacular here, and you need to get down with this. There is Petros and there is Petra. And Petros means a fragment of the rock. Petra means an immovable stone. And when he looked at Peter, he said, and you shall be the Petros or the fragment of the rock. And upon this immovable stone, I will build my church. And why is that important? The important thing is this, is that you will never be Jesus, but you will represent his authority you may you will never be perfect in this life some of you you are just not perfect i joined the club we got t-shirts i got a t-shirt that says i'm imperfect just like pastor joey i get it i know how it works but understand me in this understand me in this he said upon this rock i'll build my church he said you will be a fragment of the rock or a chip off the old block he said you'll always have your personality you know what God wants to use your personality. God doesn't want you to be a cookie cutter of that man. God doesn't want you to be a cookie cutter of that woman. And God sure enough don't want you to be a cookie cutter of me. You can't feel a size 17 shoe even if you try to. God wants to use you. Do you have any idea how important you are? He said, and upon this rock, I'll build my church, but you shall be like me. You're going to be you. I'm going to anoint you the way you are, but you're going to walk in my power. You're going to walk in my authority. You're going to make mistakes. Honey, you're going to make mistakes. I never met anybody that learned anything from success, but I met a whole lot of people that learned from mistakes. Mistakes is going to be your number one teacher. Hey, 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 I have made mistakes before. I know it's hard to believe with a face of a body like this. You can't believe that I have made mistakes, but darling, listen to me. I have made mistakes. 
And he said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And now gates of hell is a unique thing, but he says, whatever you bind on earth, I give you the keys of authority to the kingdom of God, that whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now there's a lot of people that they know how to pray in this way, but there's a lot of people that have no idea what this means. So I want you to say something with me, all the locations. I want everybody to say the word that I'm about to say. I want you to say the word POSEK, P-O-S-E-K. Say POSEK. Thank you so much. I don't have to rebuke you for being disobedient. The word POSEK is a legal term and it is a legal position that does not exist in any other, how should I say this, any other legal system of the world except for in the ancient Hebrew tradition and the ancient Hebrew system. Now you must understand the lawyers of Jesus' day, they either went to one of two schools, the school of Shammai or the school of Hillel. And they were named after their founding rabbis because a rabbi is a teacher. And many times in scripture, they will call him the teacher or they will call him rabbi. And so these were the two schools of the lawyers or the two schools of the rabbis. And you must understand, they're all, all lawyers, all rabbis would go through these two schools and they would say that the school of Shammai binds and the school of Hillel looses. And let me explain what this is. Because the school of Shammai was an extremely conservative school. And their interpretation of the law was extremely narrow-minded. It was extremely strict. And so if you, had a, if you went to court at the gate of the city and you had a lawyer from the school of Shammai, you was in trouble. Or if you had a prosecutor from the school of Shammai, they were going for your blood. But then there was the other school, the school of Hillel. And the school of Hillel was the one that loosed. Or it was a more liberal school. They had a more open-minded, more, more broader view or sense of the law of Moses, of the Levitical law. And so they would say, Shammai binds, Hillel looses, because that was founded by those, those were the names of those two rabbis. But you must understand that there was a posek, it was a position that was in Jerusalem or in Israel at that day. And the posek was called the final decider. And I know I didn't give the title of my message, but hey, I'm not perfect and nobody is. And the title of my message is the final decider. I thought I'd throw that in here somewhere. There it is right there on the screen. If you need to see that, it's spelled D-E-C-I-D-E-R-Q-R-S, but they didn't add that because those words are silent. The final decider and the final decider is the posek. He is the one they say that the buck stops here. Now he had so much power. Now the, the, the posek was, was appointed by Israel or whoever was in authority or the Sanhedrin. The posek would be put in a position of authority and the posek either went to the school of Shammai or the school of Hillel. And there was more than one posek, but they were by far one of the strongest positions legally in all of Israel because not a judge, not a king, no ruling body could overturn what the Posek said. That's how much authority the Posek had. And so whenever there was a law of Moses that was open to interpretation and there was debating amongst the school of Shema and Hillel, they would go to the appointed Posek and they would say, Posek, please tell me the definition. How is this law to be interpreted? And that Posek would say, I have studied, I have seen 
And from my viewpoint, it should be interpreted this way. And that law should be enforced in this particular way. And that law from that point had to be enforced in that way. Nobody could overturn it. And Jesus was looking at them and he says, I give you the keys to the kingdom or some of the, uh, the greatest authority in the kingdom that whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Whatever you permit by an undisputable authority shall be done. Whatever you disallow by an undisputable authority, it shall be done. So if you tell, see, you when the post sex says something, nobody can overturn it. So when God says, I give you authority, basically what he is saying is the same thing that if you go to New York City, maybe even here in Philly, and you go to New York City, we'll just say that because it is, it's coined within the mind of most people. And you see a, a traffic cop who's walking a beat. And he's out there on the street and with a whistle, nothing but a whistle. He don't even, he don't remove his firearm. Only with a whistle, he can raise up his hand and raise up and blow his whistle. And with that type of authority, he can stop thousands upon thousands of pounds of metal and steam only by the raising of his hand. Why? Because on his arm represents the authority of New York City. And if you mess with him, you mess him with all the NYC. If you mess with him, you are messing with the entire state of New York. And all of the state of New York is going to come down on you with authority and power. And if you try to run from the cop whenever you pass that red light and all of a sudden you go to, Ooh, and you go, you go taking off, what's going to happen to you? You ain't going to have just one cop behind you. The, the, the more you keep going, you're going to have two. You're going to have three. You're going to have multiple cops following you because you have broken the law and you have stood against authority. And so whenever the Lord says, I give you authority, I give you the keys, he is saying that when you say something, you better have faith to believe what you say. Because when you say that thing, I go, all of heaven is going to back you up. For it says in the word of God, he says, I set you as a seal upon my arm. Oh my God. You got a badge on your arm and you got authority over every work of darkness. Why don't you wield that thing, child? Won't you wield that thing? Oh, but I'm too comfortable. This chair is too soft. I got to sit right here and I got to be comfortable. You know what? God never called you not once in your life to be comfortable. He called you to be faithful. Yes. And faithfulness means discomfort. I know what it's like to be uncomfortable. I know what it's like. Do you? Do you know what it's like to live in a place of discomfort because you are doing the work of the kingdom of God? Comfort will cripple you. You are never called to be comfortable. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, the Lord's Prayer, probably every one of you could quote it. And if you can't, I'm not going there. I'm just going to tell you what it says. It says, our Father who art in heaven, blah, 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 blah. It keeps on going. But there are three elements to the Lord's Prayer. And it is never meant to be quoted directly. It is a formula for prayer. And I ain't got time to work it. Maybe next time I come, I'll go up on the Lord's Prayer. But the first part of it is praise. The second part of it is declaration. And the third part is petition. And you must understand what it means whenever you make a declaration. Whenever they sign the Declaration of Independence. Oh my God. Whenever, whenever our founding fathers in the Continental Congress gathered in this 
city and stood against tyranny and began to write the Declaration of Independence. And they said, we find these truths to be self-evident. And what you must understand is you've got to see the self-evident truth. And the self-evident truth is that there is an enemy against this city. There is an enemy against this movement. There is an enemy against this block. And the enemy wants to shut you down, wants to kill you, wants to take that man of God out of here and destroy his life. But God has established the block. He'll put flooding on you to make you gonna go. He'll put so much pressure on you that you'd rather be dead than alive. Why? Because you are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. The enemy will only fight what he fears. Remember I said that. The enemy will only fight what is a threat to his kingdom. And if you don't ever come under a fight of any spiritual nature, I seriously doubt your salvation. Because when you are born into authority, you were born with a target on your back. But you have to come to the understanding that you have power over the darkness. The Lord's Prayer. Most of it is praise in the beginning and it ends in petition. But most people forget thy kingdom come, thy will be done. They don't understand that. That is not asking God for anything. That is declaring His will into the earth. See, God cannot move into the earth outside of His church. God has confined Himself. No, 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 you don't understand. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. And He said, I didn't give you my authority to do the works that I did. And greater works than these shall you do. Because I go to my Father. I give you authority over unclean spirits. I give you authority over diseases. How you shall tread upon the snake and the scorpion. Different types of demonic entities. And He said, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You don't understand who you are. Block, you have no idea. You have to live. You have to survive. You cannot go down because the Lord has called you. God established this work and God sent him here to birth this thing because God loves this city and Satan wants to destroy it. Look around you. You can see the destructive power of the enemy. He said... And he has raised him up and seated us with him in heavenly places. See, he seated Christ above all principality, power, and dominion. And then he says, I have seated you in my position of authority. So not only are you my hands and feet upon the earth, but I have seated with you with me in the heavenly places. And Christ's positional responsibility is intercession. The Bible says that he stands as an intercessor at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for the saints daily. You want to know what the greatest deficit in the kingdom of God is? Do you want to know what the greatest deficit in the church is? Do you know what God sent me here to tell this church? That it is time to pray. It is time to get on your face. It is time to wail. It is time to spend time and sacrifice your life in intercession for God and make a difference where nobody else can make a difference. A church cannot grow beyond its intercessors. And God has called you to intercede. Their work is too great. The harvest is great, but the labors are few. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. He said, but you can't go out and get a harvest unless you have paid the price to see the harvest come in. And he said, I need you to make intercession. I need you to fight the good fight. I need you to put on my yoke. He said, take my yoke on you as an intercessor and learn of me because you'll never know who Jesus is until you take his yoke. I don't care how much you hear. I'm a Mahama Mashanda. I don't care how much you, oh, Jesus, I love you. Praise you, Lord. You can shake it like nobody's business and you'll probably dance like James Brown, but it don't mean nothing unless you took his yoke because you don't know him unless you took his yoke. 
And He said, I have given you a seat with me in heavenly places. Take my yoke. Do you think Jesus with one mouth can make intercession for all people? It is His body. He's His delegated authority. He prays for all through His body, through you. And if you don't pray, you cripple Christ. Did you hear what I said? If you don't make intercession, you cripple. I just don't have time. I got too much things to do. I'm so glad Jesus didn't say that whenever He faced the cross. He lived for us and He died for us. He died for you this morning. Now you gotta understand, whenever God gave you power, you better wield it. Because if you say a thing, it shall be. You stand up against that enemy and you pray. If you are in this place and you don't know Jesus, you don't know the power of Jesus' name, God wants to save you. God has summoned you into His kingdom. God wants to miraculously touch your life. Listen to me in every location. Jesus loves you wherever you are. But if unless you are saved, unless He is your Lord and your Savior, there is no place in heaven for you. It says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that those who believed, uh, that anyone who believed on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. But He says, but if you have rejected Him, you have been rejected already. And if you want to enter into the gates of glory, I'm telling you now, what you need is to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Because you see, there's not a million of you. There's only one of you, sir. There's only one of you, young lady. And God wants to use you for His glory. God wants to give you a purpose because you have lived your life up until this point. I don't care what your purpose was. There was no purpose in comparison to what you were born for. And you were born to be His servant. You were born to be His child. But sin separated from God and God wants to bring you into his kingdom God wants to change your life he wants to be your king your Lord the lover of your soul he loves you just the way you are he'll take you with all your issues he'll take you with all your problems if you're if you're and it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't matter what your history is it doesn't matter if you've been in the slammer all that matters it doesn't matter what you looked at before you came here. What matters is, will you surrender your life? Because for you to be saved, you must, one, you must believe, and then you must repent. And the word repentance means metanoia, to become a new mind. It means to do a 180 degree turn in your mind. What does that mean? That means I'm just gonna make up my mind that I'm saved? No, it is you're gonna make up in your mind to trust in Him, believe on Him as Savior. And then you turn from it because not only do you believe He's a Savior, you believe that He'll keep you once He saves you. Because it's one thing to say, well, I believe He's the Son of God. But it's another thing to say, I believe that He'll save me if I believe on Him. Because there is no access to the Father. Jesus said, I am the only way. I am the only truth and the only life. Buddha cannot save you. There is no other God of this world. They are all dead and they're false. They cannot save you. There is only one Jesus. And He is the same powerful Jesus of yesterday that is today. I have seen by the power of His name, I have seen the dead raised. I have, I've literally seen dead people come to life. I have seen people that had three days to live with, with liver disorders and liver disease. I've seen God raise them up and heal them. I have seen the impossible made possible. And God, and the greatest impossibility made possible is whenever a soul that is lost without God comes into the kingdom of God. You can be His greatest miracle and He wants you in His kingdom. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.